Hello and welcome to another edition of the InFocus podcast. I am your host, D. Sampath. Following setbacks in his invasion of Ukraine, Russian President Vladimir Putin has announced a partial mobilization of reservists to bolster the war effort. He launched his so-called special military operation with 150,000 troops, but now he plans to raise an additional 300,000. Simultaneously, he also announced that referendums will be held in four Russia-held regions of Ukraine. And if they vote yes in the referendum, these Ukrainian territories will come under Russian sovereignty. Both these developments have serious implications in Ukraine and in Russia. The move toward partial mobilization has triggered fierce protests all over Russia. There have been dozens of anti-mobilization rallies. Enlistment centers have been set on fire and there have been lengthy queues of cars, some as long as 18 kilometers, at Russia's border crossings to Georgia, Finland and so on, where people are trying to flee the country. So will this partial mobilization enable Russia to reach its military goals or will it backfire? What do the referendums mean in terms of the context of Putin's nuclear threats? We explore these questions in this episode of the InFocus podcast and our guest today is Stanley Johnny, the Hindu's International Affairs Editor. Stanley, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Sampath. So Stanley, can you just explain in brief what exactly does partial mobilization mean? Uh, does this mean uh, only civilians with military training will be taken and will be picked up and forced to enlist whether they want to or not or want to go to the war? Or is it like a, a more uh, general, what is the criteria, how long is it going to take? So all we have is the statement issued by President Putin and his defense minister, Sergei Shoigu. Putin in his uh, address, he didn't even say how many troops they are going to mobilize. Putin said that this will be a partial troops mobilization. And then he said those with military experiences and military, those who have got military training in the past, would be called in. That's what Putin's announcement uh, said. And Shoigu gave a uh, little more details in his comment. So Shoigu was, say, was saying that 300,000 troops would be mobilized, which he said only 1% of Russia's true potential. And then uh, again, the defense ministry says that only those who got military training in the past and those who are in the reserve, you know, would be uh, mobilized. So a general mobilization means there would be drafting across the country, conscription, all the men, you know, who fall in the military age category would be mobilized. But partial mobilization means, I think, in this context, given the information we have from the defense ministry is that those who are already in Russia's military reserves, those who have got military training would be called in. And of that... 300,000 people would be called in. So, uh, we don't know whether they have a choice. Some initial reports were saying that they don't have a choice. Uh, you also said in your intro about uh, men, military age men fleeing Russia. So, that also suggests that you will get the draft papers and you have to join. Uh, I mean, if you are in the force, if you are in the reserve, you, I mean, uh, the defense ministry can send the draft papers. So, they are, apparently, it looks like the defense ministry is identifying the men and then sending them the draft papers and recruiting them for the force. So this is what they mean uh, when they call a partial mobilization. The difference between a partial mobilization and, the, and general mobilization is that in general mobilization, they will go for nationwide conscription of all military age men. That is not happening now. 
they are looking at only those who are in the reserves right so that this does this also have something to do with what the official status of the operation is because earlier putin said it's a special military operation uh, which means that there is on under special military operation i don't think you can ask for a general mobilization anyway no for a partial mobilization uh, don't you need to have a declaration of war or something uh, do you need this kind of a mobilization for a special military operation yeah looks like uh, you know if you look at the official language no they don't have to declare a war they haven't declared a war even putin statement says that partial mobilization is to help the special military operation but the special military operation is a fiction i think basically putin has also come out of it he hasn't acknowledged it but the statements they made both putin and shoigu right putin said that uh, the russian troops are facing uh, the most uh, advanced parts of the western military machine in ukraine and on the other side shoigu said this is a war between russia and the collective west so even i mean in the defense ministry documents they may still be talking about special military operation but both leaders acknowledge the challenges they face and the limits of this special military operation so it is basically a fiction i think they have uh, i mean the fact that putin had to announce go for a partial mobilization itself shows the limitations of his special military operation because we had discussed it earlier he mobilized 150000 troops against a standing army of 500000 600000 troops that from a conventional military point of view doesn't make sense but the russians may have had a different calculation but that in work right i mean uh, that that's what shows their recent setbacks and the long front line 1000 kilometers long front lines stretching from the oskil river in the north to mykolaiv in the south so the russians need more troops to uh, even if they want to hold the line of defense or if they want to push further into ukrainian territories they want more troops so putin is uh, effectively under pressure he was and you can see that there were criticism coming from the nationalist right wing sections of russian society tv polity etc etc even ramzan kadyrov who is a very close ally of putin the chechen leader he himself had uh, talked against the military operation he criticized the defense ministry not president uh, he said that he will be forced to take the matters to the defense ministry uh, to the president to the kremlin so basically there is you know this special military operation criticism partial mobilization everything suggests that the kremlin is under pressure and they need more troops and then he has finally uh, gave into the demands from the war sections the war camp you know there is a war camp and the special military camp obviously those who want to go slow meet their objectives those who wanted to go for an all out war and the first camp didn't succeed because seven years seven months into the war the russians are still struggling in ukraine to keep the line of defense or they also suffered a setback in kharkiv uh, so the war camp has got an advantage i think uh, that's what it shows right now along with this uh, partial mobilization announcement putin has also signed a new decree which has sort of uh, made the penalties really harsh for voluntary surrender for those who desert the army and for those who refuse to fight i think we have media reports suggest there will be 10 years of imprisonment for those surrendering and refusing to fight so what do you think uh, is going to be the impact of these new penalties because on the one hand you want uh, your soldiers to be highly motivated when they're going out to fight but then uh, we are going to penalize them and threaten them like this isn't this going to be sending the wrong signals 
yeah possible it could also be coming out of the experiences the recent experiences where there were reports of mass surrender of russian troops in different parts of ukraine where they suffered setbacks so maybe the kremlin is trying to send or the defense ministry is trying to send you know a strong message to the troops who are fighting that if you are surrendering on your own without proper orders from the top you will face uh, penalties in the future uh, so uh, this is uh, basically the manpower the, the kremlin is facing a manpower shortage and the surrenders are making it worse they are trying to mobilize more men so they wanted to keep their grip on the troops so it is a very complex scenario but i think all this suggest the challenges they are facing generally in a, in a war situation when you are fighting an enemy when you as a soldier I mean, you would be uh, a little bit concerned about being captured right i mean how you will be treated by them you might be tortured whatever you might be treated you're not going to be treated like a five star hotel guest in any case so how come this kind of surrender uh, how come they are happening so much that putin feels compelled to sort of uh, increase the uh, penalties you know issue a new decree against the surrender does it mean that they don't really see ukrainians as enemies or they don't want to fight them maybe ukraine has a different different approach maybe ukraine is uh, asking the russians to surrender you never know the fine details that's what i am saying mm, they might maybe you suggesting the ukraine might be incentivizing them to surrender of course it's very much possible because from if you look at it from the ukrainian point of view you no know, it would be easier for them uh, if the russians surrender without a fight uh, and uh, there were reports from the very beginning uh, about law morale on the russian side right from the beginning of the war so ukraine may be trying to cash in on that element as well uh but we lack the fine details we don't know but we know that the, uh, yeah yes putin has announced this decree that shows extra pressure uh that the russians are under in the war right so how long uh, how many weeks or months is it going to take before these additional troops you know the 300000 are actually in the combat zone when we know winter is coming and that's going to change the dynamics of the war uh, from what it is right now so any indications on when these uh, additional mobilized troops will be in combat zones nothing from the defense ministry but there were some independent analysis which say that up to 6 weeks within 6 weeks the first batch of the freshly trained uh, men would be deployed to the front line so see you look at the volume of the mobilization so let's say that from 6 week onwards the russians would start deploying troops so in kharkiv russians you know uh, not even russian soldiers were there apparently uh, in the villages of uh, izium kupiansk and other places because the russians had redeployed their best trained forces to the south uh, in kherson and uh, donetsk and lugansk in the east whereas in kharkiv the police forces and others were trying to hold the line and ukraine tried to ukraine effectively exploited the weak links in the russian line of defense so russia actually needs men russia is facing logistical problems and it, it was also facing manpower shortage and uh, the current mobilization is 300000 troops which is twice the number of the original uh, you know mobilization which putin did at the beginning of the war so this shows how important uh, you know the, the it shows the importance the kremlin is giving to this conflict because it is they can't actually take a step back so he is going with uh, full force uh, in fact so the russian calculation is that once they start deploying additional men 
they can actually make it can actually make a difference because even with the limited number of troops with 100,000 150,000 troops the russians had actually taken up some 15% of the ukrainian territories right this four regions that are voting now saporizhia kherson uh, donetsk and luhansk they make up some 15% of ukraine's territories which is the ukraine is the largest country in europe besides russia so uh, from the kremlin's point of view even with the limited number of troops you know the russians made some substantial territorial gains in ukraine but the problem now what the problem they are facing now is a long front line as i said from the north to the uh, southwest and then um, ukraine is fighting with the advanced weapons they got from the west and also with uh, superior intelligence coming from the west so then the russians are now under pressure so putin has to first hold the line of defense now because the ukrainians are now on the offensive and then secondly if he wants to take more territories like they haven't taken the whole of donetsk yet lugansk is with them almost the entire lugansk but parts of donetsk uh, are still with the ukrainian territories ukrainian forces and the russians have said that they want to take more of southern ukrainian territories right so first they have to hold the line of defense and then he has to decide if the war tactics uh, permit them uh, they will want to make more advances more thrust into ukrainian territories so whatever you want to achieve you need more men so that's what they are trying to do now right you know you spoke earlier about how with just 150000 troops they were able to sort of uh, take control of 15% of ukrainian territory and now you need more men to both hold the line and also to see if uh, you can go ahead with acquiring more territory as per your goals but then those 150000 troops were actually properly trained uh, skilled military men i mean and these are uh, from what we read in reports in the western press these additional 300000 who are going to be mobilized from the reserves they are very poorly trained even uh, even more poorly motivated and they are going to be facing a much better trained and a highly motivated ukrainian army so if this is uh, accurate what is putin going to be really getting out of uh, this partial mobilization uh, troops being deployed at the front line are they going to be just cannon fodder because how are they uh, going to be facing up to like really well trained ukrainian soldiers when we know i mean there have been reports also that, that the level of training these guys have received is at a very very basic level will they really be able to make a difference uh, i think uh, i don't know we have to wait and see so there is uh, no let's say that equal possibilities of both the partial mobilization failing as well as russia uh, with additional troops uh, making some you know changing the course of the war because this 150000 very well trained troops which uh, we talked about so of them uh, let's say more than 100000 troops are still in the battlefield right so what the russians need is more manpower so that they can use the best trained forces for combat in a much better way and they can be more forceful in their in, in their defenses so you look at the conflict from the very beginning the russians looked a very superior army with technological advances etc etc but at the end of the day war remained a war between uh, men between soldiers so that's what the ukrainians uh, showed during the war and then again when we are talking about the losses the russians and the ukrainian uh, ukraine yes ukraine's troops troops are well trained and uh, they have they also have advanced weapons from the west but at the same time ukraine has also taken huge casualties apparently many more times uh, uh, the russians so there are weakness on both sides so now 
The main problem Russia is facing is, as I said, this thousand kilometer long battlefront. Because Russia has to hold the lines, right? Because Russian narrative is that, even Putin said the other day, that we went into Ukraine to protect within court, protect the people of the Donbass and the Russian-speaking people. And in Kharkiv, Russians were forced to withdraw. And these four regions are now going to hold the referendums. And after the referendums, whether Putin immediately recognizes the results or not, whatever these people have spoken, everybody knows what the results are going to be. Uh, and these people have apparently, you know, um, according to the Russian narrative, these people have expressed their wish to join the Russian Federation. And after this, imagine if the Russians are forced to withdraw from these territories, that would be the end of Putin. It, is, it would be very difficult for the Kremlin to sell it to the Russian people. So Putin is also on a very, very tricky wicket at this point of time, especially after the referendums are going to be held. Uh, so what they need is, you know, immediate priority is to hold the line of defense. I think maybe the Kremlin thinks, the defense ministry thinks with additional manpower and with the existing troops, more than 100,000 or 120,000 existing well-trained troops and officers and the generals, Maybe they think that they can hold the line of defense. We don't know whether they would be able to do it, which is something which we can, uh, we, we have to wait and see. But I think there is a tactic behind it. Right. So there is uh, clearly uh, some kind of tactical thinking behind this partial mobilization. And uh, we will have to see how effective uh, those additional troops uh, prove to be on the battlefield uh, and so on. But I think that might be uh, some weeks ahead. But immediately there is a problem. Uh, which is that there have been fierce protests against this partial mobilization. I mean, more than 1,000 people have been detained in anti-enlistment rallies. Enlistment centers have seen firings by people who don't want to enlist. Some of them have been set on fire. So, and there are also thousands of people trying to flee Russia into Finland, into Georgia, into Estonia, into Mongolia, and so on. So, this decision has been uh, very unpopular from what we can make out. And uh, is it going to backfire domestically on Putin, making him politically vulnerable at home. Yeah, my sense is that, yeah, it could backfire if the partial mobilization fails to make an impact in the course of the war. Because at this point of time, yes, there are protests, definitely, on the one side. But on the other side, the Russian narrative is very strong domestically, that Russians were forced into this war. That's the narrative from the Kremlin. And the Russians went in there to protect the Russian-speaking people in Ukraine who were under attack from the Kyiv regime. Of course, they were under attack, definitely. For, I mean, this war started in 2014. This conflict started in 2014. So this is the narrative from the Kremlin. And if you, and if you look at uh, the independent polls, including from the Lavada Center, etc., etc., and this independent poll suggests that the war remains popular. In a sense, the war has public support in Russia. And the most, let's say, the strongest criticism Putin faced was from the right-wing sections of the society. Because they were saying that Putin was not being enough, assertive enough. He should have declared the war. He should have gone all in. He should have used the Russian forces to turn around the war. Instead, the Putin was going slow. This was, uh, this was a very strong criticism coming in, even in it was there without criticizing the Kremlin directly, but there, there is criticism of the way the war is being conducted, even in the state media. Right, so state media, state media propaganda might be popular as long as somebody else is fighting. No, but when you realize that tomorrow they may come to your home to you know, take your son or your brother 
to go and fight is that then propaganda visit will it still work because then it's, it's the war has come home isn't it that will happen if he goes for a general mobilization that's what i am saying if the partial mobilization fails then putin doesn't have many more options but to go for a general mobilization then it is going to be a national wide conscription that would be extremely unpopular but here they are targeting 300000 people so they there could be protest i am not saying there won't be protest but at the same time this protest would be there is a possibility that the protest would be limited and on the other side the larger public opinion in russia still stays in favor of the war at least that's what the opinion polls are suggesting this also explains why putin delayed the mobilization till now and why he is going only for the partial mobilization because he knows the political risks while on the other side if he is not acting if he is not becoming assertive enough even in the face of the russians facing set military setbacks in ukraine that could also spell uh, political troubles for him which is perhaps a much bigger political challenges for him because even his inner circles have started exp- you know expressing their disagreements uh, publicly so putin is i mean that's what i am saying on the one side you you face protests and on the other side you face much bigger pressure coming from the hard right sections so he is trying to strike a balance by going for a partial mobilization his bet is that the partial mobilization would turn around the course of the war and if it doesn't yeah he may have to go for more drastic measures that could spell doom for many things in the future right you spoke of more drastic measures which sort of uh, leads me to my next question which i've been meaning to ask so once these four referendums are done and ukrainian territories are let us say annexed by russia now ukraine is not going to sort of give up those territories they will try to attack and reclaim those territories which by now would have been deemed as part of russia so russia could claim that ukraine is effectively invading its territory so are russia statements putin statements in recent days making some noise about using the nuclear option and how that is not a bluff are they aimed at this scenario where you know ukraine might attack its own you uh, know attack to reclaim its own territories which are now part of russia and russia would then construe it as an attack on its sovereignty which could then you know lead to kind of escalation which nobody wants yeah um, i think it would depend on whether russia would immediately recognize the referendum results putin has then said that in the 23rd speech september 23rd speech putin was i think putin's nuclear threat was particularly targeting at the ukrainian attack on crimea at that that point of time he said yes uh, he would use all means available to him to defend the territorial integrity of the country which means he was practically referring to any more attacks on crimea that was a chill warning a cold warning towards the ukrainians and the same warning could be applicable to the donbas and uh, southern ukraine if russia annexes these territories but in the last speech even in his yesterday's comments Putin didn't say Putin back to the referendum. He said the Russians would protect Russian speaking population in this territories etc etc. But he hasn't said when he would recognize the referendum results. He could do it this week. He could also do it years later. So uh, because in the case of uh, you know in 2014 Donetsk and Lugansk declared that they became self declared republics. Putin recognized them in 2022. So you actually don't know what he is going to do. in terms of recognizing the referendum results if he recognizes the referendum results then they would be uh, enjoying the same status as crimea right and the same logic as crimea would apply to them that's right if he recognizes this four territories that means a major 
escalation in the conflict from which you know there is no uh, walking back but if he, if he doesn't recognize the referendum results on the one side yes the people would vote i mean in a sense the result would be to join the russian federation and if he doesn't immediately recognize it that would open a short window for negotiations so we have to see what the kremlin is going to do next once they officially announce the results that's what my point is right so now looking at uh, nego- i mean the context of negotiated settlement and so on i mean that, that that of course also involves a number of other powers who play a catalyzing role either to aid it or to sort of uh, put hurdles in the way now russia's international isolation following the invasion as for it has really it, it went up but now we following uh, the reverses especially in the kharkiv uh, region and a growing perception that it is sort of losing control of the war in some way has this resulted in in the balance of power equation sort of going against it with some of its allies and neighbors has the isolation increased compared to earlier yeah i think uh, this perception is important uh, the perception of russia being beaten back in ukraine i think has affected its power projection capabilities in general you can see that immediately after russia setbacks in kharkiv there were unrest in central asia uh, right uh, in, and in caucasus between armenia and uh, azerbaijan as well as kyrgyzstan and tajikistan these are russia's rimland rimland russia's periphery where russia still retains a major military presence so it is affecting russia's overall power projection capabilities that's right but uh, it could be a short term phenomenon we don't know if the russians manage to turn around the course of the war they could restore their military credibility but if russia continues to face setbacks yeah it 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 will have uh, consequences imagine if russia had met its military objectives in ukraine quickly you wouldn't even be seeing the kind of resistance russia is facing from the west today because uh, remember the even the americans had shut the embassy and left before russia launched the attack because i think everybody expected russia to make quick gains in ukraine that didn't happen and when that didn't happen it opened all kind of opportunities for russia's rivals so the same way if russia didn't take the setbacks or russia continued to win ukrainian territories i don't think uh, russia would be facing this kind of international criticism even from the east right uh, so the perception of weakness i think emboldens both its partners and enemies that is a reality that's what we see, we are seeing now right the perception of weakness emboldens its partners as well i think that's an important point uh, going forward it will have to see how that develops one final question before we wind up so uh, we do see that there are potential uh, routes towards escalation here with this partial mobilization and you also mentioned that there might be a small window for a negotiated settlement if uh, he doesn't recognize the outcomes of the referendum immediately so what do you say uh, are the chances of a negotiated settlement right now because we saw we had that brief opportunity in march uh, with the istanbul uh, meeting but now where do we stand in terms of a peaceful negotiated settlement yeah uh, so putin's uh, last week's address to the nation he said two things one is a positive reference to the istanbul talks he said uh, there was a formula to which russia and ukraine had agreed to and that formula we knew uh, like ukraine was talking about uh, a 15 year uh, consultative period for crimea and direct negotiations on the status of donbas between zelensky and putin etc etc 
and also they would also publicly renounce their NATO ambitions in return for security guarantees, multilateral security guarantees. So this was the formula Putin was referring to. So that this this reference to this formula, uh, I think uh, that shows that Russians were still interested in some kind of a settlement. And secondly, he didn't say when he would recognize the referendum results. So it's possible that this opens a small window for peace talks, for a settlement. But at the same time, if Putin decides to recognize the referendum results immediately after the referendum, let's say, I mean, it can happen this week or next week. If, if that happens, that would be a major escalation, which means, as you pointed out, Donbass region, including Donetsk and Lugansk and Zaporizhia and Kherson, would become part of Russia from the Kremlin's point of view. It would also redraw the Ukrainian border for good. So, which means it would require increased commitment and resources from the Kremlin, not only to defend these regions, but, but also to take more territories, the whole territories of these provinces. For example, Zaporizhia, the Russians do not have the whole of the province. Even Kherson, they have the city, they do not have the whole of the province. Even in Donetsk, uh, they, have, they don't have 35% of the province. So, if Putin recognizes the referendum results and annexes these territories, that would mean the end of any kind of hope for a peaceful uh, settlement. That would mean that the Russians are going in fully. Putin is uh, going in fully. So that would also mean that only a military uh, result would determine the future of this conflict. Right. Uh, Putin is uh, skating on very thin ice here. And we know that even his worst critics have uh, pointed out that uh, it's not great, great news if Putin is backed into a corner. It's a very dangerous development for the world in general. We'll have to wait and see how this develops. Thank you so much, Stanley, for joining us and for sharing your insights and comments. Thanks. Thank you so much.